0: All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
2: Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club, from restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com.
0: Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Heather Steele, Astrid Carter, and very special guest, Elizabeth Payton, who is the European Styles correspondent at the New York Times. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Lovely mm. to have you. Well, I just want to warn you, there's a little bit of construction work going on just behind us. So if you do hear some unsolicited banging throughout the podcast, we apologize. And we're really hoping it'll be over by next week. it shouldn't be too bad. So Elizabeth, we always start by talking about books and TV and film. So what has everybody been watching this week? Well, well,
1: I started watching the Netflix show that everyone's talking about, You. I actually missed the beginning, which I think is miss? quite crucial, quite a lot. But I felt like it was quite like a cheesy American approach to that kind of thriller show. Yes. So I felt like I could kind of get back on board with it quite easy.
0: So how many
2: have you watched? About three. Okay. Have you guys seen it? I haven't. I have to confess, I've seen a lot of the press around yeah. it. And obviously we remember Penn Badgley from his Gossip Girl yes. day. Right. I've so watched- is that
1: the main guy? Yeah. So I never yeah, yeah, watched yeah. Gossip Girl. So How did you never watch Gossip Girl?
0: I
2: tried To and I thought it was absolutely dire. Yeah, sure, but you need to go back
1: and watch it. Okay, I feel like I'm a little bit old now.
0: Maybe no, 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 you're not. It is so good, and I feel like if you're of our generation, then you can watch it at any time. Okay, so you is about a guy who works in a bookstore in New York and gets really obsessed with a girl who walks in one day and like just takes stalker to a whole new level, uses social media to kind of completely manipulate her and the people around her. But when he's like with her and kind of in virtual commas acting normal, he slips straight into down from Gossip Girl that's and it's 20. really hard to yeah. remove the two. Yeah, that's what I've heard. He's very much playing a similar role, a more
3: sinister one, but maybe he was just acting like himself in both. <laughs> maybe he's just creepy in real yeah. life. Do you
2: feel like it's glamorizing stalking? I mean, that's been the criticism, right? right? That it's so polished in
0: Hollywood and actually is that a positive thing? I haven't watched it. Yeah, so. no, because he tweeted this week like I don't understand why people are saying that they're sympathetic towards this character like you should not be you've got this wrong (laughs) if you are he is fucking psycho like so scary even
1: though it's got that kind of like slightly cheesy gloss over it yeah he's got it the kind of serial killer Thing down to a T. Yeah. Mm. So I
0: actually really wasn't enjoying it for the first four. I thought it was like part Americanized but also part super creepy and I really didn't like that mix. But I now kind of want to know what happens next. But also, you know,
1: when she's in the room that he keeps his first editions? Yes. Like, I don't know how long she was in there for, but her hair was like totally perfect. (laughs) That's that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, it's got that kind of gloss over it, which I guess could be glamorizing.
0: I want to cut my hair like hers. I think she has great hair. Yeah, she does Mm. have great hair. Elizabeth, watching anything good at the
2: moment? Well, a neat segue from Serial Killers, Mm. but the Luther series, the latest Luther series. I to
0: talk about it. No.
2: It is so disappointing. Oh. I am crushed. So I remember that first season that must have been like nine or ten years yeah. ago now and thinking it was some of the best television I'd seen in ages. I love a thriller. I love Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? And this last season, it was just so lame. It, I don't know, it just descended into farce, right? And that's kind of what makes a real thriller so scary mm-hmm. when you can imagine this. So the yeah. first two episodes were pretty good. You guys will never travel on a night bus alone again on the <laughs> other side. That scene was horrible. Right, horrible. but again, because it's anchored in reality, you know that that could yeah. be you, mm-hmm. or, well, you know that Hopefully you can not, position yourself very much in that so. way, yeah. yeah. But then the last two episodes just got completely ridiculous. Oh, I know, yeah. it's really
0: disappointing. Because she's amazing, Ruth Wilson as well. Like, yeah. I love her. Is she in previous seasons? Or yes, just... she's his sort of nemesis and we Oh, I interesting. Okay, so how many seasons are there until this point?
2: I think this is the fifth. I was going to say five, yeah. And okay. there has been like a five-year hiatus or something because right. he's obviously been off in Hollywood yeah, becoming yeah. a superstar. Um, Naturally. But yeah, I was really sad. I was all set that horrible first week of January where you're feeling really yeah. depressed and started with such high hopes and
0: shame. fell a bit flat. Is it finished? Finished. Only four episodes? Yeah. I've seen a
1: lot of people on Instagram on their stories saying, like, oh, I'm under the covers, like, too scared to watch it kind of thing. Did you find it was, like, that... No, I
3: watched it all on my own, and I kind of binged it over a weekend. The week it had been shown kind of consecutive nights... But no, I wasn't scared at all. Like we were saying, I suppose we would have been in previous series. Mm-hmm. But no, it's just a bit far fetched. And also, there's, you know, a certain ending. And some people are saying it's the last episode. And I really hope it is now. Like, I don't
1: think they should make another one. And there's rumours a... of
3: a film. I'm like, no. No, don't. it's such
1: a shame when there's an amazing series. And off the back of that popularity, they just kind of take it. They one don't know where it's to too
0: far. Yeah. 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 What is it actually about? What does he play? Luther is a troubled,
2: brooding detective. He's possibly the best detective London has ever seen, but unfortunately he has these key flaws in his personality, in his behaviour, and this sort of Achilles heel in the form of a complete sociopath and psychopath. Oh, so she's the villain? Yes.
3: Okay. But acquaintance as well as the series kind of go on. Um, but there are other
2: villains as well that always kind of come into play to okay. keep the so series worth, interesting. I would go back on Netflix yeah. and I would watch the first season. Yeah. I challenge anyone not to come away from that thinking amazing TV, amazing amazing acting amazing storylines but don't bother with the Oh, they all
0: taper out don't they nothing ever ends on a high it's such such a shame (laughs) speaking of sequels I never binge anything but I watched the whole second series of Friends from College this weekend it dropped on Friday there's only 8 episodes and they're like half an hour long so it's not quite as bingey as it sounds but it's so good and it's so under the radar like I put on Instagram a few times because Sam one of the main characters has the most unbelievable wardrobe that you've ever seen on TV and I think we were trying to explain it to someone the other day weren't we because it's not like a feature she just happened to have this incredible wardrobe yeah. in. she's not like the fashionista no, in the just, she doesn't
1: work she's an interior, interior designer, designer yeah but yeah. she'll just like rock out with like a Valentino cape on Yeah. Stuff.
0: in one episode she was wearing the Burberry trench when it was like semi-transparent one do you know what I mean oh, yeah, like, mm. or, she's just got incredible stuff and a few times I put her outfits on Instagram yeah. stories I got so many messages from people being like what series is this what is this? I feel like people don't know about it and it is so good if you're looking for something that's like quite real but also you know no thrillery scary murdery mm. things going on but also this season was way funnier than the first. As oh, well. Really? Yeah, it's quite laugh okay. out funny. I just really it. Do you feel like it. there's room for another series? Yes. Definitely. So excited. I'm going to watch it this week. Definitely. So good.
3: Anything else to add? I watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers film that came on, to Netflix, on. Netflix just before Christmas. I finally watched that. That's really worth a watch. Oh, yeah? It's serious. I mean, it, I don't know. It depends if you like that kind of slow film and people getting killed and it not being very cheery. Okay. But so, what kind of is it actually about? So, it's set in like western times in America but it's actually kind of six separate stories that are all inspired by this fictional kind of old book with different stories about cowboys etc. But it's just interesting because yeah the Coen brothers usually do these kind of longer films and this is Netflix only so you can only watch it there. It's just got a really good cast so it's got Liam Neeson in it's got James Franco, Tom Waits who's amazing as a really old sort of gold digger in the traditional sense and Zoe Kazan as well plays an incredible role for about 20 minutes in her part. So it's about two hours and 10 minutes, I'd say, but it feels a lot shorter because it's all these sort of stories that are in no way related, but it's just really beautifully shot. Very funny when it shouldn't be kind of classic Coen Brothers. So yeah. Oh, and did it what
0: Was it only released on Netflix? Yes,
3: Netflix only. Oh,
2: yeah. I,
0: I feel like they're really killing it because obviously there's
2: that rumor, which I haven't seen. <gasps> I really need mm. to see it. It's on my to-do list, but yeah. everybody has said that it's absolutely stunning and kind of heartbreaking. So except. I know. I feel like I need to gear myself yeah. up for it, but it looks so good. But that's but- the thing isn't it I think at the moment Netflix is just firing out series after series feature after feature and it's really interesting at the moment to look at the relationship between Hollywood old god Hollywood and Netflix Amazon Prime and seeing mm-hmm. what things go because I have to say though, I've been quite disappointed by a lot of the Netflix original series that have come out mm-hmm. and at what level do they sort of stay with getting really really good quality things out versus say really broadening out and doing a lot of five out of ten six out of ten but five. really interesting that the
1: Coen brothers mm-hmm. are on Netflix because mm-hmm. I mean that I just don't feel like they're would put their name to anything
2: no bad but then
0: it doesn't mean it's all for us yeah yeah there's some good stuff in there too but 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 there is also
2: like so many of the things that I've seen as series from them I've now annoyingly forgotten the name it had Michelle Dockery in it it was a Wild West show on it was amazing uh... the first two episodes though were amazing and actually I came away from this like seven episode series just thinking to myself this should have been a 90 minute feature film (laughs) this shouldn't have been seven (laughs) or eight hours yeah and I guess it's something they're kind of working through at the moment
0: before we move on we must just talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh my God, have you guys seen it?
2: I've not seen it. I was going to see it. I saw the trailer and then the reviews were yeah. so consistently awful yeah, that I didn't do it. Me. And then look, it's getting a slew of award nominations Exactly. So have you seen it? Exactly the same as me. When it came out,
1: the reviews were terrible, so I didn't go see it. Then I saw that it was still on at the cinema last week. So I went and oh my God, I'm so happy I did because it is amazing. It's such <laughs> a kind of feel good. Well, obviously there's like sadness to it as well because of the whole story. But Charlotte, what did you think? I, yeah,
0: I saw it this weekend. Exactly the same, the reviews are crap, but so often films that are critically acclaimed and not the ones that like make you feel because they're judging it on different things mm. and it's just so feel good and uplifting. And don't go if you don't, <laughs> don't like queen music. there don't, always like... has been a snobbery and a snobbery it's about queen yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. And, and right. they really they play on that. So obviously it's telling the story of different moments in their life, and one is when Bohemian Rhapsody came out and they use clippings of real reviews mm. showing how badly it was received. It was completely panned when they released that album because it's just so odd and they were like a mix of so many genres and it's just so bad but obviously they're not highbrow yeah, and, and they, it's just so good. They don't like pretend
1: that any one of them were like a cool rock and roll star no. at all because they weren't. <laughs> they were like essentially like a bunch of geeks plus yeah. Freddie Mercury <laughs> yeah. and it's quite sweet and like charming to mm-hmm. see that side of it and it just kind of shows that he I mean they were all incredibly talented but he
0: was like something special yes. and really was like the superstar. Rami Malek who plays him having also seen Asara's Born I can't even begin to understand why people think that Bradley Cooper deserves awards over Rami Malek because mm. like I'm not an actress but I feel like it's probably not that hard to just act really like sad and drunk and depressed like I, really, I can probably find that in my soul somewhere whereas what Rami Malek does to like completely inhabit this person and this large in the life character I mean, he, so incredibly
1: yeah. it must be so daunting to get a character uh, like that to play but he just becomes him doesn't
2: he like mm-hmm. yeah amazing he definitely deserved it so here's a question i think where a lot of the backlash has come from is the gay community right mm. who say um, in fact i was sitting last week at the london men's shows next to philip picardi who's the editor-in-chief of out and he said no we don't like this movie it pink washed the freddie mercury story mm-hmm. which is to say you know etched out the sort of gay narrative and they really focus on his relationship Yes, with his wife. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Did you come away thinking,
0: hang on, we know that this is a cult gay icon who lived quite a flamboyant lifestyle and we don't see any of that? It's a 12A. Mm-hmm. So I think they obviously kind of went for the like populist thing and um, played that down a little bit, played down all sex and drugs really a little bit in order to kind of make it more accessible to, to get a bigger wider audience. exactly. But I think the other criticism that I've heard is not just that it pink washes it, but that it's kind of portrayed as like straight good gay bad and that, you know, he, he's on the rails and he's happy and he's, his life is going well when he's in a relationship with Mary and that then as soon as he kind of heads down the wrong path, that's when it's like, you know, gay orgies and everything and so it's associating like badness and wrongness with his homosexuality. It's really hard to comment because I don't know about you, Ashley, like obviously it's not something I'm particularly sensitive to but I think it mainly comes down to the fact that it's a 12A. When I was watching it, I didn't feel that.
1: On reflection, I can see why the gay community and I guess fans of his would have maybe been upset by mm. that but also this Mary woman was such a big part of his life when I was 17 I did my first like work experience thing on a TV show the co- I worked in the wardrobe department and the costume designer there had previously worked with Queen she was, had been very close to
0: Freddie Mercury she told me that he always had this woman in his life in his will he left 40% of every proceed ever from Bohemian Rhapsody to her so she's worth something like 100 million and is still living in yeah. his home in, in West London and I remember like being 17 and this
1: costume designer telling me this thinking like oh I've got like inside information but obviously you forget about little things like that and then when I saw the film I was like oh my god that's the woman that's the woman she was mm-hmm. talking about so yeah
0: she was a huge part of his life mm-hmm. and they go out in real life now Rami Malek and the girl who played I know uh, which is the She's
1: best Yeah, nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's so She's nice amazing. to watch a film like that isn't it and yeah. you
0: know they're together um, yeah she is amazing
1: I loved all the costumes like she worked in Bieber when they first met and Ooh, nice. they go into the Bieber store that was in South Kensington and I've seen loads of like old pictures from there and they've literally like redone it to look exactly like the Bieber store it's definitely worth the watch for that kind of stuff yeah
0: and if you've seen their live aid performance the recreation of it is just again it's like pose for pose yeah like, oh, even the trailer gave me chills yeah, to be yeah.
1: I said last week I'm a real sucker for a, like a film intro like opening credits and it's like a big one you, yes. just, you get the kind of chills you're like this is gonna be a good two hours
3: I forgot
0: you said that <laughs> it's so true and it really is a good two hours maybe I will watch it this weekend and then next week we can talk about it. exactly <laughs> it can become the and then the Vice out bookmarks. by the week after oh, yes. so oh, that's yeah, like that Did you have anything you wanted to add to film or TV wise? So one show that
2: I've been loving is The Marvelous Mrs. Meisel, which uh, is a show that has been written by the writer of Clueless. And And Gilmore Girls. And Gilmore Girls, exactly. And it is absolutely amazing. It is about a divorced young Jewish housewife on the Upper West Side of New York in the 1950s who, in the wake of her breakup from her husband, basically realizes she has an amazing talent as a stand-up comedian, which is, of course, totally taboo at the time. There are virtually no female stand-up comedians comics. And it's just amazing. It's incredibly funny, like genuinely laugh out loud. The costumes and the sets are absolutely unreal. And something I was reading about last week is it's actually based on the early life of Joan Rivers, Mm, um, who sort of followed a similar path. And I just think, you know, it's one of those really... Lovely escapist
0: shows that you can just completely fall into on a dark winter Sunday afternoon and love. Yeah, I have found it a little hard to get into. I've watched the first two; they're just quite long episodes, which they're nearly an hour, which I know that is not <laughs> very long. You <but laughs> <don't>, know, fifty minutes. Yeah, I know a whole fifty minutes. <laughs> but you know, I feel like I need to persevere because so many people rave about it. She's also the most amazing actress. It's Rachel. I never know. Brosnahan. Who to say. Brosnahan. Do you guys watch House of Cards? Yeah. She was Rachel uh, yes. in House of Cards. Do you remember the girl imagine. that got him, Oh, the girl that got yeah. involved with darkness. She was such a dark, messed up character in I've that. Never, and she's this I've never like, associated the two. Yeah, yeah. and Amazing. she's this like light, sunny, charismatic character in that. Are you on season two? You I'm halfway it? through season two and
2: I'm still loving it. So okay. if you like sort of Mad Men costumes and something really hilarious and I guess the clueless
0: script, have a
2: go. Okay, Perfect.
0: Mm. Heather. Yes. I feel like we talk quite a lot on the podcast about your hiatus from social media, but I thought it was time to delve a bit more into it because you wrote a piece for the site last week called What I Learned from a Year Off Social Media. I hadn't quite appreciated that you got rid of everything. Apart from Twitter. Apart from Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so talk to me about why you decided to take a year off in the first place. I'm not 100% sure exactly why. I just
3: remember the one moment. I think it was the period between Christmas and New Year at my parents in 2017. And where my parents live, it's not where I grew up. So I don't actually know anyone there. So I just kind of found myself like scrolling and scrolling. And was just like, I'm not seeing anything interesting. I'm not engaging with this whatsoever. But I just kept finding myself reaching for my phones and refreshing and refreshing. So yeah, I decided to do it for a month, almost like a dry January, but I just really enjoyed it. So I just continued and decided to
0: do it for a year. So talk about some of the the pros and cons. There were quite a lot of good takeaways from it, right? Yeah,
3: personally, I know it probably isn't for everyone, but I did find there were overwhelmingly more positives than there were negatives. The negatives were probably like birthdays. Like when it was my 30th, I hardly had like anyone message me being like, happy birthday, because unless you kind of work with someone or they're your closest friends or old friends. I mean, I don't know when your birthdays are off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so i have to to my calendar. So yeah, it was the same. There's probably lots of people who turned 30 in my general friendship group last year who I didn't say happy birthday to. But that was quite funny. That like, I think I had 10 messages altogether. But it was also interesting who actually messaged me, like a couple of people, like blokes. I would never know that they would know my birthday. So it was a nice surprise yeah. in a way being like, ah, cool. But other than that, it was just generally positive.
2: Um, Can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. How did you find your concentration levels changed? So for me, that's the biggest thing. My concentration levels are shocked at the moment. So you said you're going to come off Facebook. Yes. And Facebook, to be honest, isn't the greatest sapper of concentration. Mm -hmm. My my reasons for going off Facebook are different. But all that sort of wasted time scrolling and that kind of instinctual checking of something for nothing. Did you feel that went away?
3: Yeah, I definitely feel like I probably slept better because I wasn't kind of once I get back into my flat I kind of don't really look at my phone because like my boyfriend's there I probably message anyone else I would talk to anyway so I just kind of ignore it like leave it in my bag until I need to set an alarm for the next day so general phone usage definitely went down and in my commutes I definitely read more as well so I'd kind of arrive in the office feeling a lot more kind of like oh wow I've just read this great chapter rather than sort of being hunched over my phone just again just refreshing the whole time. So I don't know if I'm concentrating
2: better, but I probably am. Definitely. If slash when you take go back mm-hmm. onto these social platforms, are you going to go back on all of them or are you going to stay off some?
3: I'm definitely not going to go back on Facebook. Like, I just I haven't missed it at all. And I hadn't posted anything on learning. it probably uh, since about 2015 anyway. So I've been tagged in photos here and there, usually ones that I wouldn't even want to be tagged in anyway. <laughs> so generally... No, I don't think I'll be going back on that.
2: The only people who contact me now on Facebook are like my mother's cousin from some (laughs) Mm -hmm. far removed country and I think the last year where we've had so many revelations about use of our data Mm -hmm. whether it's politically or by brands or by companies it's just not something I feel comfortable doing anymore and I just feel like of all the social platforms you know, we're all journalists here like Twitter's actually a tool Uh, to an extent we need to be on Instagram although obviously Heather you can debate that but Facebook Mm -hmm. I don't think I need to be on it and I think by the end of this month I've kind of been like weaning myself off yeah. it to be honest and realising I don't miss it yeah
0: it's just the bank of photos that's my only reason to stay on like I know you mentioned that in your feature Heather yeah I'm gonna go in and like I, there's something all.
3: you can do where you kind of it'll take ages but yeah. just grab them all off there because that's the only thing I care about as well like when I first went to uni that was when everyone had suddenly got those affordable small digital cameras yeah. so yeah. everyone would take them on yeah. nights out and which made end you end look really thousands.
0: good by the way I found the mine yes, a yeah. it was like
2: Insta filter yeah. but Better, Definitely yeah. much more yeah. flattering.
0: Yeah, so that's like ten years of really valuable yeah. memories and but like my know, gap here and everything. Yeah. I don't know, that's where everything was prepped.
2: So all of Generation Z aren't on Facebook though. They actively yeah. resist it. Yeah. You know, they that's think the right. idea of having all these personal photographs online is super dangerous. That's why they've all moved towards Snapchat.
0: And which like, I still can't get my head around oh, no, but no, that's no that's another I story to exactly <laughs> but, um, Also, you, Facebook is so uncurated, as you said, yeah. people can just tag them in whatever they like and like that is not
3: okay. My <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> like, angles are not really like it's out at uni. You'd look on your laptop or you get an email being like, You were tagged in 32 photos, and you'd be like, Oh, fuck, yeah. like, like,
2: going on as soon yeah, as you I'm could, kept, like, no, 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 Or no, when no. you were searching for someone and you accidentally put them as your status, oh, God, yes. Yes. so many, so many, so many, so many, yeah,
3: that. or yes. like tagging the wrong person in a photo, yeah, just too many awful things. It's a minefield, guys, yeah, yeah. It was a minefield. my friends, and
0: I love it on like Time Hop when it comes up with that's uh, funny. We used to write essays on each other's walls, yep. like, back when the wall. Yeah was a thing and it and it would be really like quite detailed private Yeah, but you know yeah. like this is what I did when I got home as well I don't know but we were quite open
3: the messenger thing didn't exist exactly did it? but when I still had it time hop things it'd be someone who I don't even speak to like what time are you going to lectures tomorrow? I'm gonna do this. Like yeah really long <laughs> yeah. essays about fuck all <laughs> like, exactly. So yeah I miss looking back at it and laughing at the times I had at uni, but yeah once I've grabbed those images I'm out. You're out. So Instagram is he?
2: <laughs> I'm on Instagram because you know I write a lot about fashion and a lot is going on in the industry on the platform. From my own personal point of view, I don't post very much. I mean I think I post like once a month, I think that maybe twice a month, but I constantly feel like I need to be on it to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't break news, you know, Instagram. Twitter is where I feel like I have an edge as a reporter yeah. being and I get to know about news, you know, half an hour before it makes the mm-hmm. mainstream press. But um, I was very late onto Instagram because I had a BlackBerry until they were basically falling apart yeah. and losing their entire stock value because that was what I was given by the the Financial Times, which is my old paper. So I was like very late to the day onto Instagram. So I've never kind of completely been as obsessed with it as a lot of my friends and a lot of my kind of work colleagues. Instagram's a bit of a guilty pleasure. I'm not giving it up
0: just yet. Astrid, addicted?
1: I'm not addicted in the sense of me posting stuff a bit like you, Elizabeth, but I am on there far too much and I probably should make more of a conscious effort to come off it. Also, in your piece, Heather, the thing that you said that stuck with me was that when you see your friends, it's much better now because you actually have things to catch up on. I went to a friend's on Saturday night for dinner and we probably haven't seen each other since, like, October time. We knew exactly what both of us had done. Like, I'd been on holiday, they'd been away, like, and we just caught up, but we'd already kind of caught up on Instagram. Yeah, kind of just
3: exchanging, like, oh, you went there, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Rather than actually delving in, like, what the hell have you been doing? I feel like it's worse also, like, within our industry as well. Like, we might go and see a PR and they're like, how's this and how's that? And I'm like, I don't know your name. Like, why do you know so much about (laughs) Mm -hmm. me? So, yeah, it's quite scary. Really isn't it? Okay, so Heather, in summary, you did say that you had planned to go back to Instagram. Yes, in January. Yes, You're still in Jan. Is it going to happen?
3: I don't know. I'm in a real pickle. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm quite tempted to, but I don't know. I think when you haven't done something for so long, it's easy to not think about mm. it and not do yeah. it. But I think maybe the end of the month, I might. Dabble back in you, that's just, the thing you can always just get rid of can. it again if it's awful and as you said there's
0: quite a lot of pressure if you've been off for a year for that first post back yeah like that's what I'm scared about
3: I've got out of the habit of taking photos now so not of myself but just in general so yeah it does feel
1: like it would be a statement which i don't like yeah, <laughs> you could really come you. back with something quite curated like you're obviously a massive foodie and yeah. culture and stuff like that maybe just focus it on that rather than exactly yourself
3: you yeah it was never about me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other people's pets and a few <gasps> bits of food awesome. but, that great content? yeah <laughs>
0: we'll, see. we'll see speaking of food we started a new feature last week called what's in my Ocado order Georgie was the first person up I mean none of this was a surprise obviously when you work with somebody day in day out you kind of know what they like to eat so it was just really nice seeing it all in a yeah. list a curated list of all the things that Georgie orders and it's not just for herself it's for her family as well obviously three young kids and a husband who loves mackerel who loves mackerel <laughs> that's a um, delicious make that so one so I was reading this list to Rich and saying oh these are really great recipes and he did make the point that they're more like an assemblyment of ingredients as <laughs> yeah. to recipes but that's okay because yeah, every Georgie I mean, said she doesn't cook it yeah. yet. But and I she's got some really lovely things that. on her list. So I really recommend listeners go and look at the list. But I also mm. want to know, what are your guys' staples on your online food shop? Do you
3: do an online food I shop? I don't do an online food shop. But basically, I just buy food as and when I need it because I never really know what I'm going to be doing in the week. Like, I always think, oh, I'm not doing anything this week and then end up maybe being out a couple of nights. And since I've started doing the 5-2 as well, I've basically had to completely be like, these are my meals and that is it mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I definitely, don't know, I like food shopping, but I don't do it as much as I used to. But I always make sure I've
2: got lots of coffee. And on <laughs> a, <laughs> that's basically my only thing. That's the millennial way. That right that's what we're all doing like I'm also the same way I sort of buy in sort of stages as much as I need because otherwise you're just throwing all that food away out of the fridge. I guess I do do online shopping if I'm having people over. If I'm having a dinner party, I don't have a car. So like the idea of like lugging everything home for 10 people, 12 people, that's when I'll do an online shop. But I kind of like supermarket shopping. That's another one of mine. I feel like I'm doing something practical, but I can totally zone out from a quality perspective as well. You can actually look at the produce you're picking up, for example. Don't get any horrid swaps either. No, yes. and I just mm. quite like it. I kind of see that it's sort of a precious 20 minutes or something that's mine. So, my fiance thinks it's completely deranged. He, like, he doesn't mm-hmm. understand that at all. Why? He I, would rather I, do it online? Yeah, he doesn't understand. And he just sort of says in five to 10 years, nobody's going to be doing supermarket shopping. Mm. I'm like, well, for the time being, yeah. Yeah, I, I can will. make the most of it now then. Exactly. Yeah. Perhaps that's why I'm
0: doing it as well, because I also enjoy wandering yeah. shops. It's just not very cost effective doing it that way, is it? I'm the same. On my way home, when I come out the station, I walk past an MLS, Sainsbury's, Tesco, and Waitrose all on my high street. So, there's plenty of choice. Yeah. But it does mean that you pop in and you have. Accidentally spent fifteen quid just for like I don't know some olives and some pasta or something for like I don't know I feel like it's not a cost-effective way to. I know what you mean. I do plan, so it's not like I go in and I just kind of grab mm. lots of tasty
3: things. Oh, that's, but yeah, that's I, I, I know do. what you're saying. <laughs>
1: <That's laughs> <why that. laughs> As does food shops online. I do like an online food shop, but yeah, it just really depends on what the week's looking like for me. Actually, there's quite a few things on George's list that I always have in the cupboard. Tell me, parma ham. I'm a big parma ham mm. fan. In your cupboard, I feel like it's more then, of the fridge. I, I put it in the yeah, fridge. <laughs> What else does she always have? Aubergines.
0: Everyone in the Sherlock's office loves a bit of miso aubergine. Don't but care. I really like how she's explained how she cooks these mm-hmm. things as well. So she says she always has fresh aubergines and she eats them roasted at least twice a week with a bit of miso paste and mirin. Like that is yeah, so easy, handy, and, so really and home. delicious. Delicious. And, um,
1: and also like Georgie, I like to eat rocket out the bag. Yeah, since I get home when yeah. I'm cooking, I, I, you have rocket with pretty much everything. Yeah, you love rocket. It's so easy. And I've like eaten half the bag by the time mm, I've served up. Interesting. It. I actually mm. do that
0: with peas as well. She says she'll eat through a whole bag. I can do that. Like down heather would you want to talk a bit about the five two because that might be really interesting to some people
3: potentially basically the easiest way i found to do it is go to m&s and get one of their balanced for you meals which there's a certain one which is only 233 Mm, calories it's chicken courgette and broccoli in like a basil sauce that's the nicest Mm, one and the lowest calorie which means i can eat way more at lunch which is a good thing does it take a lot of planning? Have you found it quite logistically I, challenging? I think I've just been experimenting with lots of different things, but now I know how I can eat the most on the same amount of calories. Mm-hmm. I kind of because it's just twice a week. I'm just sticking to the same thing for now, okay. and I'm not getting bored of it yet.
0: And you've done it for how long so far? So I started
3: it uh, at the beginning of November. Okay, and oh, and you've seen the effects that you wanted. From yeah. It? yeah, Christmas was like kind of bad. Yeah, it was in a good way. Right um, <laughs> So that was kind of like, oh crap, I'm back here again. But no, <laughs> generally it's. Uh, intermittent fasting and it's meant to have other benefits such as improved concentration and more energy which I do actually feel like having like the longer I'm doing it and I certainly, like, I'm doing it today and I don't feel hungry at all. Did you when you started, though? Yeah, the first couple of times I tried it, I was a bit like, mm, like, it got to half one hungry. and I was like, I could really do something to eat, whereas now I can get to about three or half three without eating anything. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, so, so you don't eat until three? Yeah. Are you couple, hungry? No, like, weirdly not. So I'll have a coffee at home, a black coffee, because you're allowed unlimited that, so a black coffee at home. And then one, when I get in the office, and then I usually have two, but on a 5 2 day, I'll have three. So another one, about 11. Sorry, so you're ish. just completely wired with no food in you. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> but I drink loads of water, and then I switch to peppermint tea. So basically, okay. just loads of liquids basically kind of keep me yeah. a full they... sense of fullness. Is that normal, or do some people eat in the morning and then? I think some people like do that but I think it's better the longer you leave the fast period so from when you've oh, eaten okay. the day before through to when you next eat like the longer you can leave that the more benefits you'll feel apparently
0: because the other way of doing it is you can do the, the fasting thing can't you where you just eat only for eight hours you have like oh, a 16 yeah. hour fast yeah yeah it sounds like you're doing that anyway but I think you can have more calories exactly but you only eat for eight hours yeah day. I
3: probably could do that I think if I didn't have such a long commute so if I was eating at like 7 o'clock then it would be yes. okay whereas I actually eat more like half, eight, quarter to nine. But if you can
0: go through till three then you could technically yeah. do one till nine. That is true. Mm. It's like to think about. Um, I'm quite tempted to try it.
2: I find it all right but we'll see. A good friend of mine, a male friend of mine lost two stone. Mm. Doing what? Doing 5-2. Five five two? Two. Yeah. Wow. And I mean he wasn't fat. He's just got a big rugby player build mm. and I think he just wanted to slim down a bit and it really worked. Wow, I mean it really, really worked. Swear by it, it really yeah, does yeah. for
3: blokes as well. I think because I've got more to lose, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I
2: think it would work better for me as well. Like, I'd find it harder to kind of cut down on everything all mm-hmm. the time. I'd rather that's just same. have two days mm-hmm. where I'm like, right, this is what I'm doing. And the thing is, it's like snacking is such an office pastime. And if yeah. you train yourself out of that, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'm really interested that you're yeah. doing that.
3: Well, I can have like a soup and then some hippies and then a yeah, nice chickeny thing. So now I've found things that are actually quite tasty, but still keep it down. It's okay. not, I don't, I'm not there dreading it when I wake up on a five, two day, knowing what like you say that I can... And kind of eat not what I want but you know not worry so much yeah. on the other days and still lose weight so yeah.
0: yeah I feel like you need to write a piece about this
3: I will yeah. I think once when I get you... to a where I feel healthy and good with it okay. and like
0: where I want to be then yeah I'll definitely good. I'm excited to share, hear more Lizzie food supermarket staples anything you've always got in the fridge or the cupboard I mean all of my friends think I am so
2: weird so I'm almost a bit embarrassed this is like opening your nick drawer or something <laughs> I always have anchovies nice. I always have olives and capers and I always have tinned tomatoes mm. and my view is that basically sounds like a pasta sauce but mm. it can go over anything so yeah. I always put it over like for example I do tender stem broccoli and then nice. tip it all over that love tapenade I basically love extreme flavours like spicy sweet really like, salty, salty. my yeah. idea of hell is like a boiled potato <laughs> Yeah, never yeah. eat that right <laughs> so I have a pot of Tabasco sauce and sriracha I saw somebody had sriracha on their desk outside always, yeah. that's me they always around. but yeah those are kind of my basics but like, the truth is my fridge is just kind of half empty yeah. all the time because mm-hmm. I'm either out or I'm working and then if I know that I'm in I just bring it in and eat it mm-hmm. straight away
0: I think the key is having like sauces <laughs> yeah. you know you, having things that you can just put on anything to transform them so like pesto and yeah, yeah. things that can just it flavor. up, yeah, yeah. Stuff up. well if you want to know about <clears throat> what Georgie has in her Okari shop then do check out the piece on the site and stay tuned because I suspect we'll be doing a lot more of these okay Lizzie you mentioned waste in reference to filling your fridge and that leads us nicely on to our next topic which is how to reduce your waste this year we wrote a piece all about different small changes you can make to be a bit more environmentally friendly I was amused that the first point on this was to switch up your glitter yes (laughs) I did think in terms of what you've got going on this year that was maybe low on the priority well, it list should but have been at the top <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> but anyway so on this list were things like spending time on your shopping list exactly your point mm-hmm. shopping responsibly dishing disposable cups and various other things so I want to know what everybody here does to be a bit more responsible
2: it's just about making active steps, right? Like I have every intention in the world and then it's only when someone really forces my hand that I do it. So like last year, the gym that I go to, normally you could buy water for a quid at the desk and I came in one day and they were like, oh, it's three quid. And you go, they're tiny bottles, by the Mm. way. And I just said, no. And they said, nope, that's our new policy. And guess what? Every day I now bring my own reusable bottle. Mm -hmm, Likewise with the plastic bags for your stuff. One day they just disappeared and they said, oh, you can buy them for five pounds. And again, that's the right approach because lo and behold, Or do you have a load of grumpy customers for a week? Mm -hmm. And then Mm everybody switched their habit. And that's kind of what we need. We need to suddenly be forced to make that choice. I mean, I need to stop giving myself like a pat on the shoulder every time (laughs) I bring a reusable coffee cup into Starbucks. But that's the kind of basic stuff that we can be doing. Harder for me would be something like reducing my carbon footprint and like not flying anymore and things Mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, those have been the most recent big steps. I mean, I remember when I was living in New York, I was shocked, you know, people don't recycle in New York. You'd think that that would be a prime city to kind of lead the way and lead the charge on that kind of thing no they just don't do it so you just get so mad and I'm so used to in Mm, London making sure everything's separate getting it all ready no they just said chuck it all in one thing and is there talks for to introduce no they've got
0: some uh, bigger fish to fry at the moment I think that's just like mind blowing though isn't it it does depend on your council like I'm in Camden council and they don't really enforce it at all like my parents are in a different borough and theirs is really like tightly controlled like stuff won't get collected unless it's in its designated place but it's yeah, you can get a strongly worded letter. Exactly. If you don't put it in the right or they bit. won't take it away. Whereas mine just isn't like that, which is really bad. I feel like councils need to be more responsible. But I'm also in Camden
2: and I was waiting for the bus the other day and they've started a big campaign. So they had a big sort of sign up at the bus saying 31% of all waste in Camden is food waste, which is insane so when you think bad. at the moment that kind of people are queuing up for food banks mm-hmm. that's at an all time high yeah. and yet we're all just
0: chucking away this stuff. Yeah, that's awful. I didn't know that. I agree. That's good that they are making more of an effort. They, the should players, they should practice it's what they pre. <laughs> <laughs> the other place if you are in Camden Council is Budgeons in Belsize Park they've got rid of plastic bags entirely so they've gone like a step further than the supermarkets and it's only paper bags I saw, actually saw a thing in Time Out because they mm. were won like an award for saving like 20,000 plastic bags in a month or something like that and I don't know why more places aren't doing that mm. because it makes a lot of sense Water Bottle Queen <laughs> you've done very well <laughs> yeah. for last year last year
1: I made a conscious effort not to buy water bottles obviously I'm not gonna lie I did buy a few here and there but dramatically reduced my plastic waste just from that. This year, I think I'm going to try and reduce my plastic waste from... You know when you go to, like, Tesco and stuff, and they you can only buy three courgettes mm-hmm. when, really, I just want one? Yeah. And I end up buying three because I'm lazy and I
0: don't want to go to the next shop that sells them individually. So that is my New Year's resolution to reducing my plastic waste. That sure. is a good one. I think I've said it on the podcast before, but I've tried to really stop buying fruit and veg from the supermarket mm-hmm. because it comes in so much unnecessary plastic. Yeah. Like, I don't need an avocado in, like, a plastic cup and a polystyrene cup with a... Plastic, covering. yeah. So. Trying to hit the greengrocer or the farmer's market, which this piece suggests more often. It's also on the to-do list. But stopping junk mail as well, this is my favourite point. I in liked this one. This piece. Yes. I didn't know that you I mean I'm sure if I'd really thought about it, I did know that you could stop your junk mail. But if you go to Recycle for London or the Royal Mail Preference Service, you can actually get all junk mail to your home stopped and I get them all the time. So I think that's I've done
3: great. that because I don't get any, but I do get like local takeaway things, like ones where they're not actually, you know, bound
0: by anything. Exactly. But you do get loads. Yeah, sometimes so they many. put like four of the same yeah, leaflet through. Yeah. It's like, yeah, come on. And you know what else really annoys me? How like places like banks are still sending paper things to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine, I just, you, I've got that. all mine online. Yeah. Switch to paperless. Yeah, well, it's all
2: digital. Quite hard though, because <laughs> when you actually need proof of identification, which <laughs> I yeah. had to do a couple of months anything. ago, yeah. and they asked for three printed statements, yes. I'm like, No, I've yeah. gone paperless months ago. Yeah. That's so yeah. yeah. true. Yeah. Some
0: random envelope with your name on it, I promise subscription. Like, see, this is my house. Also, plastic free chewing gum did you know that chewing gum is made of plastic I did not no. that's disgusting I was, I was like it what? makes sense yeah I knew it wasn't biodegradable but yeah the reason for that is because there's plastic in it it makes sense that's beautiful cool. yeah. I was saying to Rich earlier like the
3: amount of chewing gum I swallowed when I was an idiot teenager at school, well, just because you'd be like chewing gum and the teachers would come over like show me your gum or whatever oh. like to bollock you so you'd just swallow it and be like oh, haven't I I got it. I don't think
0: I ever did that, that <laughs> we got battered
3: if we got caught we went to school. Done, but I
1: never swallowed
3: it. No, I don't know why, but I'm just like it's probably still in there. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it like every
1: couple of years. Like, what if it's blocking something? Yeah, no, no. It's dangerous. Another one is face wipes. I don't yeah. use face wipes. to no. wash or clean my face. But I always have them mm-hmm. because I think they're really good when you're going to a wedding or out and you're doing like big makeup. I always have them just to like do touch-ups and wipe stuff off my hands but actually they're so bad you can't flush them down the toilet and you shouldn't recycle them yeah I know I was going to mention
3: face wipes as well because I know you gave them up last year as As well I haven't used them for maybe a year now but I do really miss them and I know you were saying before like I feel the same like with cotton that's pads that's makeup, to maybe like. but then how many of those are we use? I use well, like maybe same, five
0: cotton wool pads Me a night five or six to like get everything off and that's a lot that's really yeah. bad it's just and you can't in. recycle that on no one. and yeah. I tried with those cloths it's not the same you have to double cleanse I mm. know oh, I do double cleanse but oh, it's what I make up <laughs> or that I just look like a yeah. drowned rat yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no I do wash my face now instead of the rest but I do miss just being in bed and being able just to just kind of do it while you're watching telly or something I have
2: really noticed how
0: much better not using makeup wipes yeah how, oh god they're so bad they're really for you they just yeah. move it round they're
2: super astringent like a lot i mean okay simple or whatever for sort of sense of skin but most of them
0: are yeah. really really really, really chemical. yeah okay well good glad to hear that everybody is making an effort this year let's talk about how to say no whether it's a friend asking to stay at your place or a work colleague wanting an extra helping hand on a project Sometimes it can be hard to say no, despite how much you want to. So we spoke to a leading lifestyle coach to find out her tips on saying no to more things. Lizzie, good at saying no? No. (laughs) It's always been one of my big problems, I think. I've got
2: much better at it over the years. I do think this is a gender question. I think this is something that women have to think about all the time. And I certainly remember when I was first starting out as an assistant at the Sunday Times, whenever it was, 10 years ago, and I said yes to everything because I really thought that that was the right way to go about things. And actually, over time, you realise that you're not necessarily appreciated and actually you're a solution to a problem, but you're not necessarily enhancing yourself. Whereas the guy that was doing the same job as me, never had any problems with saying no. And it didn't hinder his career progress at all. Now, obviously, don't become obstinate and difficult. And if you're (laughs) asked to do something by your boss, you need to think about, you know, whether it's a good idea or not. But, you know, I definitely sort of reached a point about four or five years ago where I realized I had to start saying no. And also socially, like I was always inclined to say yes, yes, yes. And then you end up disappointing people when you can't juggle everything. It's still something I always think about. It's always a resolution and it never holds. Interesting.
1: Astros? I'm kind of on the same page. When I was younger I used to say yes to everything, whether it was social or work-wise and I think, yeah, as you get older you learn what your worth is, you learn what your place is in your job and socially you know, if you don't want to do something you shouldn't be doing it for other people. Yeah, I think it's probably a gender thing but also a thing that comes with age. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Heather, what about you?
3: basically completely agree with what you've both just said, yeah. I find it hard to say no it's something
0: I've definitely been working on over the last Mm. couple of years because I am a natural people pleaser. I also Find it hard to say no, but I also sort of have less of a problem with that. Like, if we're talking about just the workplace, I think I would quite rarely say no. I think I would give all my progression to that, to being somebody that people know that they can ask and it will get done, or to step in and those favors come back as well. Like, you scratch somebody's back, they scratch yours. So, I find that being a yes man in the workplace, I can't remember a time where I've ever thought, God, this has really hindered this bit of my life so dramatically that it's not worth being that person. And I just think it's an easy way to make yourself indispensable in the workplace by being a bit more of a yes person, perhaps.
1: I kind of agree with you. Like, it's great to be positive and team player and up for challenges and blah, blah, blah. And actually, when I look at the team, and especially like interns that we have here, you always remember the ones that are like, can I do this? Say yes to everything. Like, obviously, we treat them very nicely. But you know, that does make you stand out, I guess, in your career. But I feel like, Charlotte, if you were asked,
0: to do something that was, that was exploitative was exploitative mm. like you would oh, I have say confidence no. yeah, yeah, yeah. to say no yeah yeah it's not a um, totally, it's yeah. not a confidence thing it's not a oh shit I must do it all because otherwise yeah. you know I'll be looked upon badly maybe it does start like that because it is a bit of an yeah. intern mentality but I think yes you're right obviously not exploitative things yeah. but I do think there's value in where possible being that person who always says yes Heather what about you?
3: I think in previous jobs I've had, I've definitely been taken advantage of looking back because I have said yes. And even as I kind of progressed in that job and got promotions, I was still often lumped with kind of much lower down tasks just because they knew that I would do it Mm -hmm. and just get on with it and not question it at all on top of everything else. I think, yeah, I've definitely got more confident in saying, not even saying no, but just knowing that if something's going to affect everything else I've got to do normally, Mm -hmm. then maybe just trying to subtly negotiate and be like oh I could do that but then mm. it means I won't be able to do this so can we do this yes yeah. rather than just being like no I've not got time yeah like... I guess the
2: key to this all and Carol your lifestyle coach touches on this in the piece it's just how to say no without putting noses out of joint mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. making people think that you're being disrespectful or you're being lazy yeah, yes. right and it's about showing that you value your time and you're working out how you best you can do your job mm-hmm. right and yes if this is the best use of your time and so I think actually it's worthwhile if you are thinking about whether you're feeling like people ask too much of you or you don't know how to say no, to really think about how you can say no in a way that makes you feel comfortable, that doesn't piss your boss off or your colleagues.
0: Yes. And you feel like, you know, you're happier in general. So true. I think it's about playing your time yeah. as opposed to just like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Because yeah, we all know, we've all worked with those people who are just like hardcore no people. And even though they might seemingly get away with more, I don't think you ever really want to be perceived as one no. of those people. I don't think it stands you in good stead in the long term. No. Um, let's talk about it socially. As you say, Lizzie, Carol's advice kind of overall was just saying things, and but also not justifying them too much. And she specifically says about cancelling social arrangements and getting out of things. She says, don't justify and don't explain. Just clearly, directly and politely say something simple like, I'm unable to do that slash make that time, but thank you for asking me. Well, the key here is, and this is something that I have a bit of a bugbear about though, (laughs) I think there's a difference here between saying
2: no at the outset and managing expectations Mm -hmm. and flaking at the 11th hour. And it's obviously the latter thing, which is what really annoys people, Mm -hmm. which can cause... Kind of arguments and fights and make you feel bad about mm-hmm. yourself. So it's about really thinking ahead and thinking, can I realistically do this? Mm-hmm. Versus at 6pm thinking, oh my god, I can't travel 40 minutes on the tube and have this dinner and I have this and that mm-hmm.
0: or, or whatever it is. So I think that's the key, isn't it? Saying no at the right time rather than the wrong time. I do take that point, but I was organising a hen last year and somebody on the list of invitees replied at the very early stages just saying, sorry I can't come and I think if I was the bride that would have really really pissed me off because I feel like it's more courteous to make up an excuse even if it's not real I don't know had the date been decided yes Okay. and the date was decided and then she was just like I can't come it just kind of sounds
1: a bit blunt doesn't Mm. it it's like nope sorry not doing that but I guess if you have as you say an excuse it kind of (sighs) softens the blow a little bit
2: she could have said anything she could have said anything
3: (laughs) anything on the plus side at least she didn't say no at the last minute and everyone else have to suck up
0: the costs oh but, but you've got still. to make it very clear when you're planning ahead that you will not get a refund oh okay I haven't oh yeah you're planning ahead. ahead yes I didn't I do. oh yeah hmm. make it very clear from the outset that if people drop off interest that you're keeping their money because yeah mm. otherwise it's not fair good to know yeah good to know okay great any other tips for saying no no <laughs> something a bit different now we recently wrote a piece called the coolest lampshade brands to transform a room because lampshades are having a bit of a moment they aren't really they are. so from brands like pookie to matilda goad oh god check them out on instagram even if you're not in the market for some lampshades because you'll get some serious interiors inspo from there lizzie you said you were just doing up a flat <laughs> <I'm> running, running <laughs> yeah um, how have you found interior so, shopping so i bought a place with
2: my fiancé last year we've been in the process of doing it up i have to just put in a caveat here which is interiors gives me hives I find it terrifying it's so different from shopping for example where if you screw it up you can put it in the back of your wardrobe or give it away or send it back or what have you interiors if you make a mistake you live in your mistake Um, so I found the whole process kind of terrifying equally I did find that I loved lampshades which was not something I expected to do Pookie is on your list I love Pookie and then I just think there are sort of various things that I like I mean lighting kind of intimidating but actually it's basic things like making sure they're at different heights Mm -hmm. I think that's really important it's about coziness right especially in England where for the you know bulk of the time things are pretty grim on the weather side and a funny tip that a friend of mine gave me that I thought was completely insane but really helped this isn't technically lampshades but on the same vibe (laughs) is to paint your you're gonna think I'm insane paint your light bulbs with very pale pink nail polish I've heard oh, that. But, uh, right, it like sounds bananas. The, like bananas. Like Exactly, Bally scissors. exactly. Exactly, bally scissors, exactly, okay. exactly that, that shade, very pale pink. And it just takes the kind of harsh glow, especially if you're not buying these sort of state-of-the-art, super expensive light bulbs. It gives it a really nice glow and a really nice yes. haze. I told her she was completely bananas. We tested it out, and actually, I agree, it's really, really nice.
0: Is it not a fire hazard? That would be my only query. Great question, wouldn't want to answer that 100%.
2: <laughs> it seems fine for me. My house hasn't burnt down in the last year, so yeah, that's yeah. a good sign. Sign and the people that gave me that tip, I really trust. So okay. I'm assuming they've done their homework, but don't look at me.
0: Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and how long
2: did it take to do per light bulb? Not very long, but I'm not a perfectionist. I mean, I'm sure some okay. people who are really kind of would have done it really delicately, maybe done a second layer. I was just doing it as an experiment, largely to prove my friend wrong and tell her that it looked stupid and it really didn't. <laughs> oh, <look> really <laughs> maybe <It> maybe <laughs> you have to
0: like decant some ballet zippers and it. That might be less Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, get like a quite a expensive a way to cereal. Yeah. It is funny with latches, isn't it? Because obviously, interior trends have changed so much in the last, maybe from the last like year, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Because you know, it was all about like minimalism and scandy cool, maybe this time last year. But I feel like Annabelle's is really to blame for yeah. the chintzy yeah. trend. The more is more is more. The yeah. more is more is more, exactly. But I think you have to be a bit wary with your house because you could really go quite hard on that mm-hmm. look and then find in a year's time that it looks really tacky Very and dated. True. A lot of it, I went to Elvis's house last year. A lot of it reminds <laughs> me of that. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a look you want to go for, trust me.
1: <laughs> I do love this trend, and I think it really plays to people's personalities when I think of these chintzy fringe kind of 70s like something your grandma would have lampshades, I think of like a Pandora Sykes and a Laura Jackson, who I personally love their style and I think their personal style really shows through in their interiors. So yeah, that's what I love about it.
0: But would you also be hesitant to make your
1: house hardcore chintz? Yeah, I wouldn't make it hardcore chintz but I think some well-chosen
0: pieces. You know who does that really well? Monique who did a podcast yes. with us last year. She's got things like a leopard vase like it looks like a leopard's head. You can get them from Liberty. Oh, and I know. It's like, make... yeah. so like the odd bit mm-hmm. of chintz but on the whole it's still quite yeah. like Also, smart. it really depends
1: on the proper you're in like if you're in a new super modern build it's gonna, look is not gonna work. <laughs> like, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you're in a period property it can look absolutely That's amazing so yeah you just really have to play to what you have yeah but also the thing i love about these lampshades is it's kind of open to all it's not a big investment
0: whether you're renting or you own your property like it's a nice way to do your place up agreed well if you do want to get involved in the trend you can check out our piece everywhere from ochre to and Hall is on the list. So it's a pretty comprehensive guide to the lampshades out there now. Lizzie, you recently contributed your little black book I to Sherlock's, so I want to grill you on some of the places so things like best restaurant for interiors best places for brunch most romantic spots in London so if you had to pick one overall favourite from your list where would it be?
2: I think we'll go restaurant and I think I started the little black book with this and it's Prima which is absolutely lovely if you guys haven't been it's in this old converted 1920s mechanics garage so it's got big windows and the sort of sliding doors across the front. It's very charming. They sort of have chalkboard tables and they write your name on it and the time. And the food is just delicious. The staff is lovely, it's all candle lit. It's just a really nice place. I stumbled upon it by accident and just love it. The food is lovely. It's not extortionately expensive, which is sort
0: of the prohibitive factor of lots of London restaurants. It's great. It sounds lovely. And Anna. that's in Stoke Newington isn't it? Yeah. We are often a little South London centric here, she likes so lovely to have a fellow North Londoner here. So you had some picks for North London as well didn't you? I did so
2: I used to love going to Ginger and White which is a staple of the North London cafe scene it's an Australian or maybe it's Kiwi Australasian coffee shop absolutely delicious amazing coffee lovely vibe and actually as a sort of Foreign correspondent in my home city, which is slightly strange. Sometimes I'll take my laptop there and go and work, and that's the kind of vibe that it is. I also, as another North London fate, there are some amazing gastro pubs around Hampstead Heath, and something so nice to do in the winter is take the train from wherever you live that's not North London, get up to Hampstead Heath, go for a lovely walk, and then pick up an amazing pub. I love the Wells, which is just right on the fringes of of the Heath. The food is delicious, and you can park outside the Wells. And you can park <laughs> exactly like most places in Hampstead. On the other side of the Heath, although it's currently shut for refurbishment but should open quite soon is the bull and last which oh, has been yeah. raved about by yeah. everybody mm-hmm. but it's absolutely delicious as well i don't know it's a little like it's like a trip to the country without leaving the m25 completely agree that
0: is the best what about abroad you lived in new york for a number of years i did so I did. you had some recommendations for that as well yeah i kind of hope that i don't sound hopelessly dated because you get
2: your favorites mm-hmm. don't you and then new york is such a fast-paced city that everything moves forward i actually loved red farm which i mentioned in the little black book and i saw that they've just opened a London. London branch a couple yes. of weeks I, ago. I've been to that one. It opened about six months ago. And? and it was good, but I think it's so
3: highly regarded in New York. I think it didn't really I, the expectations translate. were so high. But yeah, it was, it's it was an good food. Question, it was very isn't it? expensive for what it was, mm. I thought. And the
2: kind of Americana sort of farmhouse vibe didn't quite translate, translate. to Covent Garden, but worth a visit. That's I did, the big I did question, like isn't it? it? When you have these kind of cult restaurants in other cities and they come to London or they move it does It always work. Like something else I touched on in the book was that I love dim sum. I'm a complete dim sum fiend. And actually this weekend I went to Din Tai Fung. Oh, oh how, how was it? it? Guys, a oh, no. bit of a disappointment. Sorry to, to be problems. such a negative Nelly no, no. on everything. But <laughs> okay. it was really, you know, I was really excited. I've been to the branches in Hong Kong and Taipei. So, so we have to say this is a
0: Taiwanese Oh yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah like so Din Tai Fung,
2: for background is sort of the holy grail of dim sum. It's got a Michelin star for its dumplings. It's not insanely expensive in other international branches and it recently opened just before Christmas a branch in Covent Garden and it's quickly gained notoriety because the queues are meant to be absolutely bananas but also it has these soup dumplings that people rave about so as a dim sum fiend I decided right I have to go and so I tried to go on the weekend the queue wasn't actually that bad I mean there was quite a long queue which was what do you put your name on put my name on they said it was going to be 45 minutes which is kind of fine and we'd prepped but it was just a bit disappointing oh, and you know I think the soup dumplings were amazing I love the vibe. They have vast armies of chefs behind glass-plated walls creating these little dumplings at rapid-fire pace. But other than that, it was kind of a bit disappointing. So I think, you know, actually you can get plenty of great dim sum in chinatown which is five minutes down the road for half the price and save that din tai Fung trip i mean if you're ever in a place where they do have a branch go but actually when you're in hong kong or taipei it just felt more authentic it wasn't mm-hmm. lost in translation the way it was in covent garden i think
0: that makes sense that's a good tip let's talk a little about your career as well obviously we mentioned at the top of the podcast that you are european styles correspondent for the new york times i am what exactly does that mean My
2: job entails a little bit of everything. So I am the only London-based reporter who covers fashion, but it can mean everything from show reviews. So I go to London and Paris and Milan for the shows. It can do a lot of business stuff. I write a lot about hirings and firings, M&A activity. I do a lot of culture stories as well. And I've done a couple of investigations. Fun. Anything juicy? Yeah, actually, I did a big investigation last autumn about the use of home workers by luxury brands in Italy. Mm -hmm. So, a home worker is what it sounds like—it's somebody who's employed and works from home. And I found evidence of exploitation of women being paid a euro an hour to work for some of the biggest brands in the business. And that took five months, so it was a really time-consuming project. But obviously, those are the things that really feel worthwhile and sort of just underscore, actually, that fashion is so much more sort of what begins and ends on the runway right there's a whole story behind everything and that's sort of my job I guess to uncover it. Wow amazing and how did you get into this? How did I get into it? It's interesting how many newspaper fashion journalists say they didn't actually intend to start in fashion and that was my case. I graduated in 2008. I wanted to be a journalist but didn't know what kind and so I started interning at the Sunday Times and everyone just kept saying there's no jobs there's no jobs don't get your hopes up yeah, no jobs bad oh so mm. grim <laughs> and actually on the second last day then the then editor Tiffany Dark of Style said to me actually we need a digital assistant can you start on Monday and that's the thing isn't it it's hard when people ask for advice because so much of this is luck and being sometimes in the right place at the right time obviously doing a good job as an intern or as an assistant and I remember going to my mentor at the paper who had sort of Diverts and said, Oh, I hadn't really thought about fashion. Is that a good idea? And he was like, It is a job. <laughs> Take <Yeah>. your job <laughs> Take yeah. and go for it. And so that's what I did. I did about a year at Style, which was great. They were just launching the website, which makes me sound ancient, but that was honestly what was happening. You know, that was my first job, really, to do a lot of social. I remember setting up their Twitter account. And then I'd done a lot of business stuff whilst I'd been interning at the Sunday Times, and Vanessa Friedman, who was then the fashion editor at the FT, rang me and basically said, I know you've got a background in both fashion and business, and I'm looking to hire somebody who can basically be in the newsroom and cover the business side of the fashion and luxury industry would you like to come over? And I was a bit like, duh, yes, please. please." And then she said, oh, and by the way, I'm based in New York. Do you want to come and live in New York? So at 24, I packed up my case and I went off to New York and was at the FT for a couple of years over there. Oh, it's like the dream, isn't it? What would you say is the best bit about your job? I think it's a real privilege to be a journalist. I think it can be really difficult at the moment, but to be paid to meet interesting people and talk to them and tell their stories, assess what stories are the right stories to be told and what are not the right stories to be told, that's an amazing job. My job takes me to amazing places. You know, last year I was in Hong Kong, Saudi Arabia, Ireland, you know, that's amazing. But also journalism is really, really hard work. And I'm sure everybody in this room can testify to the fact that it's not always easy. But it's a trade off, isn't it?
0: And I know you said it's hard to give advice when people ask. But if you did have to give one tip to people aspiring journalists or or fashion journalists, what would that be?
2: I've been thinking about this a lot because, again, I'm sure everybody on the podcast in the room here gets this, but I do get a lot of emails asking for advice, and I want to be helpful. Something that I sent back to an email last week was, when you're asking me for something, when you're asking me for advice, be specific. Don't just say to me, can you help me or can you guide me? I'm looking to get into the fashion industry. Ask me something like, I really want help pitching. Can you give me two or three tips on how to pitch a story to an editor? always add a link to your website I know that sounds obvious but the number of people where I say I've just spent three minutes looking for your website via Google which could have been three minutes when I was looking at you and what you do also attach your work I don't really mind but just be upfront. but yeah be specific about your requests and you know the chances are I will then be able to get back to you with something constructive and help you on your
0: way amazing well I think that's good advice to everybody out there I think that's all we've got time for this week Elizabeth thank you so much for joining you're us you're welcome I've a lot of fun thank you thank you and if you enjoyed